Meanwhile, at Manage Comics, coming to you from a secret underground lair, these dedicated heroes discuss the business of comics, industry news, hobby store retail issues, and the latest developments from Manage Comics. They are promoters of comics, champions of small business, and four-color heroes. They are the Manage Comics team. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Meanwhile at Manage Comics. I am your host, Brian Garside, and today we are going to talk about software. We're going to talk about software, why it's expensive, why you will pay a lot for apps, and why the alternative of building it yourself isn't always the right choice. Um, but I'm not here to discourage you. I'm just here to give you some examples that I've learned throughout the years in my own life. Let's start out by talking a little bit about Shopify. So Shopify isn't the only game in town, of course. There's other things that you can use. You can use stuff like WooCommerce. You can use BigCommerce. You can use you know, a number of other uh, commerce plat platforms. Um, but usually somebody doesn't want to use uh, Shopify they're going to go for something like WordPress because WordPress out of the gate can do pretty much everything that Shopify can do. Um, there's even the ability to tie WordPress into Square, although I'll be honest, it's not as smooth and seamless as you might expect it to be, but it is possible. As just a fun little experiment a couple of weeks ago, I put together a WordPress website on a weekend to see what I could do and how close to like a Shopify styled site I could get. And the truth is fairly close. The part that gets a little iffy for me is when you get into the back back end of things. Um, right out of the right out of the gate I had to right out of the gate I had to install a whole ton of plugins just to get WooCommerce to do what I wanted it to do. So you've got a lot of plugins installed here. Why is that a big deal? Well, every plugin you add adds a little bit more of a surface attack area for the bad guys to get in. And it means that you have to constantly update those plugins and make sure that they're always updated. So for me, like from a security standpoint, this site is already fairly hinky. Uh, and I speak about this as a gentleman who has gone through a WordPress hack or two in their life. Previous to Shopify and Managed Comics, All New Comics was using WordPress for about, I want to say three years. Prior to that, it was using another uh, shopping cart, which the server actually got hacked on. And we had to abandon the old uh, host and go to a new host. Luckily, we had a database backup, but we literally lost like a day's worth of um, sales information, which sucked. Uh, there was nothing we could do about it because it was, while it was a cloud solution, it had a single database. That database was being backed up like once a day. And so we had one good database backup and the next database backup was corrupt. And so we lost a full day's worth of stuff. So I've lived through that and never want to go through it again. With WordPress, depending on your host, the host that I use for my WordPress sites is SiteGround. 
and they're really, really good. They have like dedicated WordPress hosting. Um, All the WordPress hosting has really good backup and disaster recovery stuff that works really, really well. It's not minute by minute disaster recovery or even like hour by hour. It's daily. So you could lose stuff if things went wrong. Um, But it is pretty good. So your price per month after their initial like 12 month deal is going to be $14.99 to $39.99. The other problem with using WordPress is that if you're going to do a lot of um, caching, which is how you keep your website fast, WordPress has a tendency to cache things that it maybe shouldn't. So an example of things that it might not, you might not want it to cache would be a previously viewed products. So if you have a, a area that says this is stuff that you previously viewed with WordPress caching, you may lose that or it may just show like the last few things that have been viewed on a website. So that's just something to keep in mind. I didn't really find it to be particularly cheaper than running a Shopify store when the costs were all uh, settled in because I was going to have to buy a couple of plugins for shipping and things like that. It was looking at roughly what I would pay in a Shopify store. But maybe you think that the Square uh, product is cheaper somehow than than Shopify. Shopify does have a free platform for uh, their point of sale. And then their first tier up, I believe, is $80 a month. So Square, I think, is free. I think it's all based on, yeah, there's 35 bucks a month plus transaction rates. And then they have premium, but for free, you can just get in there and get working. And I think their transaction is 2.5%. And you still have a regular square tap terminal that I think is $60 or so. So you could do it fairly inexpensively. Um, but yeah, you don't really have a good tie into your WordPress um, store. There is a, a connector. I just found that it doesn't work very well. Square also has its own uh, e-commerce solution. I think it was Equid. And I think it's pretty rudimentary compared to Shopify. I think Shopify, for all the things that it does poorly, it does e-commerce really, really well. And you'll find that Shopify stores tend to rank higher than other stores because of uh, the things that they do so well. Yes, Shopify has an app store that's very, very robust and has a ton of different things. But let's talk about that. Um, Shopify's app store, to my knowledge, is probably the best managed out of any non-Apple or Android uh, app store in terms that all of their apps are being constantly tested and run through security tests through Shopify. So you're getting a third-party audit. So you using Manage Comics means that you know that it has been audited by Shopify. And what that means is that we get notifications quite regularly that we have to change things based on Shopify's APIs. On one hand, it really, really annoys me. But on the other hand, you should be super happy because you know that you have the safest, most up-to-date apps running on your store because otherwise those apps will get removed from the, the app store. Uh, so yeah, from, from that point of view, 
it's a pretty darn good thing. And yes, you are paying per app. And some of those costs can add up after a time. But those folks that are running those apps have to pay for the maintenance of that app and to, to make sure that it's you know being updated every month. There used to be a time where you could buy software relatively inexpensively. You could buy, you know, Moby for, I want to say it was a couple grand, maybe even like $500. Uh, and Moby was super great about providing data support and even technical support. They kept on updating their app, even though they weren't charging an annual fee. But at some point that caught up to them and they ran out of money and Bitter End Solutions closed down and Moby went into kind of maintenance mode and then eventually into sunset mode. Um, and that's something, you know, all software has. So all software has basically three development life cycles. There's four. The first part of the development life cycle is like the initial build. So it's scoping, you know, testing, developing, I got those two backwards. And then the second part of the development lifecycle is active development. So that's when new features are coming out regularly. That's when, uh, you know, you're getting regular patch updates, security updates, all that good stuff. After that, you go into kind of a maintenance mode. So Managed Comics Classic is currently in our maintenance mode. We're not adding any new features to it. And even features where people are like, I would really like it to do this. Yeah, we're not writing new code for that. Um, so it's in a maintenance mode where we are maintaining all security patches and we're making sure that, you know, the system stays stable, that we do our updates and everything like that. Um, sorry, our, our database backups and, and updates and everything, but it's not going anywhere kind of long-term. And then the third part of any software development cycle is sunsetting. That's where you actually close down the program, turn off the lights. Uh, if it's a, if it's a, remote program, you may still have access to it. So if it was like something that you installed on your desktop, you may have access to it, but you won't have access to any new data. And those systems tend to break fairly soon. If we look at kind of the big competitors, I would, I would put Comic Suite in like the maintenance mode right now, Comic Suite and RMH. Um, RMH is still being kind of developed, but at some point, they're not going to be able to continue to develop it. And uh, RMH or Comic Suite, because it's built off the RMH platform, is in a fairly similar situation. It's probably, and I am just assuming this, getting harder and harder for them to find people who can develop for it. Um, and that means that new features are going to be slower and slower to come out. With Managed Comics Classic, it's on an entirely different version of Ruby on Rails that's really not used very much anymore. So the very first thing we would have to do to bring it up to speed so that we can develop on it is upgrade the version of Ruby. And that could take weeks to get that tested and running and everything. So yeah, our, our all of our efforts are going into Manage Comics 2.0. Manage Comics 1.0, we maintain the data every month, which is a pain in the butt and it's getting worse and worse every month. Um, we maintain all of the, um, kind of servers and everything like that, but it's, it's getting harder to maintain that system over time. So at some point it will sunset. And by then I'll get everybody on to manage comics 
so yeah, that's that's kind of like that's in a nutshell why software costs so much because software is hard. And if you are going to have an active product, you have to dedicate people to it. Software developers just are not cheap. They're expensive and it's harder and harder to find good ones. Um, there's a ton of really bad software developers out there. Trust me, I've used a number of them over the years, not for managed comics. I've been fortunate that my managed comics team is top notch. They're amazing. They're some of the best developers I've literally ever worked with. Um, Taras is just incredible. And he has instilled that same, you know, excellence all the way down his team. And like, I love him for that. So yeah, uh, our developers are great, but there are a lot of bad developers out there. And there's a lot of kind of scammy developers that are just looking to do exactly what you tell them to do, not what you need them to do. And that's a big kind of thing with development and, and with really anything in the world. Um, I'm pretty good at specs, but even my specs need a little bit of a developer eye to say, okay, this is good, but we can make it great. And here's a little change that will take this from okay to amazing. And sometimes like, I just don't catch that thing. And um, Natalia is really good at seeing a little change that we could do that would make things even better. Kirill, because he has so much experience, was great at like pushing back and saying, let's not do that because this is going to have these five consequences that you're probably not looking at. Which is also why sometimes we just flat out say, no, we can't do that right now because it will cause a lot of problems. And, and a lot of it boils down to complexity and us wanting to keep our system really, really simple. Um, Managed Comics Classic started to get really complicated towards the end. And yeah, there was just a lot of stuff around taxes and reporting that I just didn't want to deal with, uh, which is why we do a lot less of that with, with 2.0 and hand that off to companies like Shopify that have massive teams who can work on tax laws across the world and who can work on, you know, making sure that your shopping cart is calculating things to two decimal places, which simply I wouldn't have even thought of, um, little things like that. Uh, moving on, I really wanted to talk a little bit about our data, um, our data project and uh, working with Comics Pro on a bunch of data stuff. I realized I, it would make a lot of sense for me to map out how managed comics gets data. And by mapping this out, I was able to show um, kind of why it takes so long for us to get data and why data doesn't show up on managed comics for a certain amount of time. One of those reasons is because we require distributor code and without a distributor code, we can't create a product. So the um, devil by the deed master edition from Matt Wagner, which has been announced for over a month is still not in managed comics system. And that's because it's going to have a June, uh, a June month code. So the data is not available in any of the sources we currently have. So it, it kind of got me thinking about like, how are we going to start getting data earlier 
so that we can have things like that because Amazon already has it. So why can't you order it at your comic shop? Why are there sticky notes behind a cash register for things people want that won't be announced for another month? Why do things get announced on Bleeding Cool like three weeks before the catalog solicitations go out? And then you've got customers coming in asking when they can sign up for something that's got an August month code and it's May. Like, I don't know, a month and a half from now. Um, So mapping this out really let me see visually where the manual pieces are. And then also let me kind of point out a bunch of things to folks. Um, You'll see my little diagram here. And actually, I think I'll uh, try and make it even better for you. So when we look at things, you see that we start out by retrieving files from distributor sources. So we go to Diamond, Lunar, Penguin Random House, and we get those files and we bring them down. We immediately have to open them up and review them for formatting errors because sometimes um, we'll see things where like all of the columns get shifted left on a couple of rows. When you're dealing with a 3,500 line uh, file, that gets really, really easy easy to miss and it can cause a lot of problems so we do a little bit of kind of sanity checking if the file is valid then we upload it if it's not we'll email the distributors about specific issues uh, that we see in that point so maybe we just see that you know their their quotes are unescaped or something like that Uh, we'll let them know so that the next time we go to download that file it'll be in a better state then we upload that file and our system immediately normalizes the data. So it goes through and removes bad characters. It inflates all the abbreviations. It checks against our normalization list. So we have a list of like known bad things that come down consistently. Uh, small examples are like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles always comes down as TMNT. So we inflate that so that it's it's the right way. We also go through and like our system will lowercase everything. So there's words like X-Men where we have to camel case it, capital X, capital Men, uh, X-Factor, capital X, capital F, things like that. So our system goes through and, and runs that on a whole ton of different things. Then we look into our database and says, it says, does the item actually exist? If the item doesn't exist, then we go down a flow where it's like, does it have at least one distributor? If it doesn't, we don't create it because we don't currently have the ability to have an item without a distributor. That is something that I realize is a problem and that we pro- probably need to address at some point, but right now we just uh, can't can't address it. So then the next question is, uh, if it does have a distributor, then we'll generate the new item, we'll create the distribution data, and we'll create all the data elements. And later this week, I'll be talking with folks about what those data elements look like and why there's a difference between publisher data and distribution data. Publisher data is data that would be shared no matter who the distributor is, whereas distribution distribution data would be things like a diamond code, which Lunar doesn't have a diamond code. They have a Lunar code. And things like Penguin Random House is like internal stock keeping numbers. So all those things are distribution things instead of uh, publisher things. So going back up, if the item exists in our in our database, we check and see, does it have multiple distributions? If it doesn't, then we update the item and we update all the, the data elements. If it 
does have multiple distributions, we ask, does the distribution exist for the item? So if we're uploading a Marvel product and we already have it in the database because we uploaded Diamond earlier, is there also a Penguin Random House entry? If there isn't, then we'll create the Penguin Random House entry. We'll create the distribution data for Penguin Random House, and then we'll update all of the content items. Uh, if it's a Diamond item, we update the distributions, we'll update the distribution data, and we update any data items at that point as well. Then we manually verify and validate everything to make sure that all our issue sequence numbers are there. Penguin Random Host doesn't have issue sequence numbers. So if we get to a situation where we've uploaded a file from Penguin Random Host before that file came from Diamond, it may not have the issue sequence numbers, which are the cover codes. Um, Penguin Random Host is supposedly adding those, but it's been months at this point, and I don't know if we'll see it in my lifetime. Allegedly, we will. We'll see. Uh, then we decide whether or not all the data is valid. If it's not, then we'll manually validate and improve that data. If it is all valid, then we approve the release, and then it's available to customers. During the validate and improve data, we may have to go back to the distributors about specific issues. Good example is uh, a couple of months ago, there were a bunch of comics that were created with terrible UPC codes. So each one of them had their own specific UPC code. That's not how comics work. Comics have a shared UPC code, and then there's a five-digit like supplemental code. So we had to go back and say, hey, these these companies are not applying your um, rules around their, their codes. And so Diamond reached out to those companies and worked with them to fix the issues. A couple of cases, it was Lunar. So we reached out to Lunar and we also reached out to um, the actual companies as well. So yeah, that's kind of in a nutshell why data takes so long. It's not an easy process. It takes forever for us to get through all this stuff. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of brittle pieces along the way where things can break. So we've been working with the publishers and uh, we're hoping to get more involvement from the distributors to make sure that we can fix some of this stuff. And one of the things might be a data checker. So there may be the ability for the publishers to up upload their information to a shared data checker that will say, okay, you're missing this data before you send it in to your distributor partners. Um, if we can get to that kind of benchmark, then hopefully things will just start flowing a little bit faster and we'll be able to trust the information at an earlier uh, point instead of having to wait until we can look at everything and make sure it's good. Yeah, that's, uh, that's data in a nutshell right now. Uh, next week, we'll be talking about the data formats. So maybe I'll bring some of that stuff up here. And uh, in the meantime, Craig and I are hard at work on some stuff around uh, Google Analytics. Uh, we've been kind of building some analytic uh, things. It's really interesting because what we're finding is Google Analytics 4 is a lot smarter than 3. And it actually creates endpoints and goals and stuff like that as you use it on your website. So it's been creating kind of the things we need to build good reports 
without us actually having to do anything. And it's, it's kind of counterintuitive because previously we would have to create goals and endpoints and everything and then create reports off of that. But since Google is actually doing this for us, it actually makes sure that those endpoints are like correct. And we don't have to like create an endpoint and then go back and wait until somebody buys a product to find out whether or not the endpoint we created was right or where we had a mistake. It actually maps out the whole process for us. And it's been kind of eye-opening. So yeah, we've got some of that stuff on the way, but it'll be a little while still until we uh, feel comfortable bringing that out. And I think we're kind of working on a little bit of a kind of a lesson plan for how you would do this. And we'll have a nice download as well to, to help you out with Google Analytics and Shopify. So yeah, that won't be anytime soon, but it is something we're working on. Uh, right now, behind the scenes, Craig and I are working on a method to get you more subscribers. So a way that you can generate more subscribers for your store uh, and why that would be a particularly good thing. But again, that's something that's a little bit on the way. Uh, it's, it's down the road. In the meantime and in between times, keep managing those comics. We will see you next week. Thanks. <laughs>